Welcome to Sex Talk Radio, a podcast that explores sex and kink through candid and curious conversation. Join me and expert guests in unpacking taboos and making sex talk more fun. Recently launched, I have created the Sexy Society. It is an online community for kink and sex positive women. We will have monthly workshops and there's a lot of great posts in there. You can learn more and you can try it for two weeks if you go to sextalkradio.com. That's spelled S-E-G-G-S talkradio.com. This episode of Sex Talk Radio is brought to you by Afterglow. Afterglow is a female-founded ethical porn company based here in Austin, Texas. Go to xoafterglow.com, that is x-o-a-f-t-e-r-g-l-o-w.com, and use code xothea for a week free, and be sure to check out my favorite video of theirs, Lip Service. So we're starting. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Savannah. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Um, really quick, I'll just mention our my friend uh, Kyle introduced us. I, I reached out to him and was like, I need more cool experts on the podcast in the sex space. I want to talk to professionals. I want to talk to people that... Um, that can dig into some of the like nitty gritty more psychology stuff. And he instantly um, told me about you, which I had messaged you in the past already. I noticed about therapy because I was like eagerly trying to find a kink positive therapist. Um, but yeah, anyways, quick side note on Kyle. He, my friend connected me to him when I literally like came out as kinky. I was like, I just need to talk to somebody. And it was so cute. He was so like, kind with me. Um, but anyways, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the space and um, if it was always sex therapy or how you started and yeah. So about 15 years ago, I started working with um, marginalized couples. And so although my first degree was like a master's in marriage, couples, family therapy, right? And then you have to go through like a residency, get your LPC, get your LPCS, right? To be a supervisor or whatever. Um, I, my first internship ever in 2007 was working with all non-binary, gender fluid, transgender, LGBTQI, like how to navigate the career world and mm. coming out for who they are and be accepted. Yeah, wow. And so- I was privileged because I was there at Texas State, so close to Austin. And mm -hmm. so I was like, hey, we are in an area where acceptance is key and it's growing. And this is forever ago, right? Um, but then fast forward, I was working with this super, super gorgeous redhead client. And she has impacted my life forever. And she asked me, are you a sex certified and she and her partner were opening their relationship, polyamorous. So I had the skill set and like knowledge, but I was lacking the letters. Mm. And when she called me on that, I forever was like, on you know, do I get a PhD in psychology? Do I get a PhD in sexology? But all the PhD programs were like not offering any additional knowledge or training. So I found this phenomenal program. What do you mean not additional? Like not like going into certain categories or not going right, specific so, enough? Yeah. Like they were offering things like, oh, you'll walk out of this being a supervisor, but I already had that licensure. Mm -hmm. Or y'all walk out of this, like knowing how to do research papers and write. Well, I did that too. Yeah. Um, and like in the meantime, I'd authored a book, right? Healthy Me, Healthy Us. And that focuses on like healthy sexuality mm, as humans. Amazing. And so I taught human sexuality like as a professor at the Art Institute, right? Yeah. And so I was looking for a program that would help people feel like I was more credentialed and specialized. And this redheaded hottie, I swear <laughs> to you. I thought you were going to say guy. I'm like, this sounds naughty. I know. She is like <laughs> fantabulous. Is <laughs> oh, goodness. No, no, no. Naughty. Mm. <laughs> I wish like I, I wish I could just one day like hug her and thank her for this. But yeah, yeah she changed my life. And I literally found my space in the world. And so I went mm. and decided to get uh, another master's in sexology, specializing in kink, BDSM, that is so marginalized cool. couples, things like that. And so I have heard a thing, but that's essentially like how I ended up being like an <laughs> ASEP certified sex therapist. What is ASEP? Is that what you said? A oh, it's ASEP. Um, it's the American Association for Sex Educators, Counselors, okay. and Therapists. And you have to be... But 
I think I've looked into it. You can look into their programs if you're just a educator, right? Or like right. So like they, I've, I've looked into like wanting to go deeper on the knowledge and the psychology and background. I I think but, like anybody could benefit from it, especially yeah. in a position where you are so open minded and. It just creates an avenue of training and learning far beyond. And so, like, I thought, I never assume I know anything. Like, every day, that's why it's called a practice. Totally. So, like, in private practice, when I'm doing therapy with clients, mm-hmm. every day I walk into it as a new day of learning. Mm, I love that. I have to. Yeah. But at the same time, you get different skill sets and training, like, based on your background. And so, like, as a therapist... I had to go the therapy route with an ASEC license. Right. But it's a global license. Okay. And so it's kind of amazing because it kind of opens up the world, especially yeah. to hot redheads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where you're like, I am qualified. I have my letters. Now, what would you like to talk about? Oh, my goodness. Um, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just curious about everything. Like, uh, I never want to claim to, like, be an expert or anything in this space. I literally jumped into my, like, kink journey a year, like, year and a half ago. Um Meaning I'd always been very sexual, but there was a lot of shame with it. And then a year, year and a half ago is when I, I came to a place of empowerment and clarity and like just being able to find people in the space that are advocates that speak to it from a place of confidence. I was like, I, it gave me the permission to lean into all those sides of me, you know? Oh, um, it feels so good to hear you say <laughs> I love that because I would say almost anybody that I talk to, you know, part of this profession that makes it complicated mm-hmm. is it always feels like I'm defending it mm. to, you know, just if I go to a random happy hour with a friend, you know, they'll ask what you do and they don't understand it. But in reality, I mean, this pertains to everybody because it's just about acceptance of self. And yeah, I don't know what your um, world in seventh grade looked like, but... Mine was a rough patch, so... <laughs> yep. I mean, my 20s were... Okay, let's be real. Like, Go back to my, middle school trauma. I'm like, oh, good, here we go. But <laughs> the idea of you saying coming out as... And for me, I look at all of this as acceptance of, like, what we consider marginalized in society. Hmm. But realistically, I think it's the majority, and we're just not, Yeah, I don't know, validated, you know, to speak openly about it. That's what I want. I mean, that my entire intention for the podcast is just to talk more about sex and like do it in a fun, lighthearted way, um, because I think there's a lot happening. Um, my last guest, we were talking about Gen Z and how like open minded they seem to be versus millennials. And it's like um, there's there's a shift happening and I want people to have places to go to listen to like candid conversations about about sex and play and and it's a part of all of our lives even if somebody is asexual like the it's a very sexual culture and world and it's just like it's a part of our lives it's how we were all created <laughs> oh my gosh uh, so I'm like a mama right yes got kiddos. yes um, you have four I do have four that's fucking crazy they girl you have four kids in a they are practice. 14 13 5 and 3 I've got one son he's wow. five um we can talk about how he like sneaks away to take a nap later and what that really looks like. But um, yeah, <laughs> he's also, you know, part of a sex positive family. And so <laughs> needless to say, um, I have this sex column with Giddy, right? And Amazing. so every Tuesday, Thursday, another Q&A article like people submit and I'll yes, answer. Yes, fun. But it's so fun because it's, it's infiltrating like people everywhere and their kids and their families and the culture and so it's like if I can just help any generation whether they are like 72 or six um, (laughs) it's just great because I feel like you know people like you and I get to make a shift in acceptance and higher self-esteem and better self-worth definitely yeah what so what has your own sexual journey been of sexual exploration and um yeah Oh my gosh, where do I start? Like, I am about to turn 40 in October, so it's a pretty lengthy journey. Um, Lengthy journey? (laughs) Lengthy journey. Um, I mean, let's go back to, like, how you were presented with sex by your parents, not by your parents, like, how how you were educated about it or lack of education, and we'll go from there. Oh my God, you make me tear up. Like, I love you, but oh my God. Um, (laughs) It's fine. All emotions are welcome here. Oh, crap. Um, so my, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of education around sex. 
Um, I did have a lot of character building is what I like to refer to as like different kinds of trauma. Hmm. Um, and so I learned early on sex is a way to, and I think so many people relate to this. I want you to love me hmm. and please pay attention to me. And therefore if sex is what you want, then that I'll give that to you because then I'll get what I want. Right. Validation. I want validation and I want you to love me and care about me and pay attention to me. And I would say, you know, a sexual journey looks unique to all of us. But I think there's a lot of experiences we have where, you know, you learn it via entertainment, like porn. You learn it on the streets, like locker room talk and whatnot. But you're never truly educated about, like, really honest things. And so whether you're a virgin trying to get married (laughs) or you know, a social outcast, quote, man whore, if you will, trying to be out there and slut-shamed, I I think all of us could use some clarity about sexuality and how we grow into our own journeys. And also, like, how we grow into our own control and choices of journeys sexually. Yeah. And and sex education is still, I mean, haven't like had it since high school or middle school, but it's it's so biological and scientific and it totally takes out like even the fact that there's going to be like arousal and emotions and hormones and attachments and like there's just so much more to it. And I kind of hate that that's where our education system is at with sex ed because it's it's rough, at least when I went through it. So I grew up like in South Texas. Okay. Um, you literally <laughs> have to go through a checkpoint to get out of where I grew up from. Um, spring break, yeah, 1999, South Padre <laughs> Island, like that's where I'm from. Okay. Um, I'm I, from Alaska, so I don't have a oh my Texas geography, but. Oh my goodness. No, when you were born in Texas, by the way, like you take an entire year in seventh grade of Texas history. I know more about Jesus. Texas, but I can't tell you like the difference between countries and states. <laughs> oh my in God. Europe. Texas, oh yeah. Texas would. It's a culture. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't recall ever getting a sex education by any means. And wow. so most of my education came from learning it just like everybody else, you know, experimenting and friends and. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it can be um, challenging when porn is a reference point for people to learn because a lot of what's out there is not how it really is in real life. I, Um, um, I love like the idea of, so like with porn, for example, I love the idea of learning technique, like intentionally, for example, mm, you know, I'll have a lot of clients who feel like they're in the dating scene. Um, and mind you, you know, majority of my clients are men. I specialize in men. Okay. Um, I see couples, polycules, transgendered, et cetera. Mm. But I am, you know, like one of two huge advocates on earth, right? I specifically advocate for men and mm. men's sexual health and men's rights and self-esteem. Good. Yes. And yes. so... They're like, I don't know how to perform better. And I'm like, well, first Mm. of all, do you want to perform or pleasure your partner? Like, think about the wording. Yeah. But I'll refer to lesbian porn. I'm like, go take a look at what they're doing. (laughs) But also consider this is an entertainment, not an education. Take it with a grain of salt. Yes. I've talked about this before. I've had experiences when I tell a partner that I would prefer, like, I need a toy to come, that it's like the default reaction is like, well, let me see if I can do it. And I'm like, that's, and then I have to educate, which I find I have to do quite a bit of <laughs> in this space. And I'm like, that's kind of more about you, you and your performance rather than my pleasure. And so like, what's the actual intention here, you know? Um, but I also think that unfortunately for men, there is such a performative element for men in porn that they think it has to be this show and it takes out the, in, the intuitive nature of it and the connected nature of it. And, um, yeah. What, so what are some of the themes that you find with mostly male clients you were just talking about perform, wanting to do better or be better in bed? or You know, um, I, I like right now how you said, and you are one of the few brave people out there that says, I really would like to orgasm and this mm-hmm, is what please. I would like to include. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I look, at, I look yeah. at sex as pleasure and play because you can have the most pleasurable experience and never have intercourse. Or never have, orgasm either. Right, you never know, orgasm. To be oh, I am not goal oriented. I'm like, <laughs> but did you enjoy it? Yeah. I think so many people though, like take it hard being, 
you know, oh, I didn't make my partner come or, oh, like my whole goal is to make this happen. It's you know, there's done when the man comes. Oh, when, yeah. oh my gosh. And I'm going, okay, like, let's back up. So oftentimes with men, there's um, a lot of premature ejaculation, mm -hmm. a lot of delayed ejaculation, performance anxiety, number one, how do I get my partner to do anal? Number two, <laughs> how do I get my partner to have sex with me again, especially like in long-term relationships? And so, you know, it's funny because if I say those themes, it's like for women listening, oh hmm. my God, I have to do this again, right? I want to do anal. And it's again, like though. performance, exploration, but it's like obligation and pressure too. Hmm. And so when working with men, the there's like a beauty of hey, since the moment I was conceived and somebody figured out I was going to be a boy, I was born, they put me in blue. They thought sports was my label. Yes. I was taught to be masculine. Uh, don't cry. Don't be a sissy. Yes. And it's just a kind of amazing thing to watch somebody blossom in front of you when mm. they're like, I just want to be nourished and nurtured and validated and seen and heard. Yes. And it's not that men are like weak or incapable of feelings and emotions, I think that they are raised without the opportunity to truly yeah. learn about feelings and emotions. Just like, you know, women aren't truly raised to be seen like science and math and this is okay to be smart or it's okay to be dominant and don't sit mm -hmm. back and look pretty and be made of sugar. Uh, I so love that we're having this conversation right now. I, I like wasn't sure kind of what one of the themes would be of our conversation since I didn't know much about you, but like this is so important. I think um, I was talking about it with my last guest. I've had this sense of this switch in empathy lately for men because um, I had a lot of negative dating experiences on field with men that were saying they were dominant and had experience, but they really didn't. And it just didn't go how I wanted. But now as I've switched into this more kind of switchy role and played around with dominant energy in the bedroom and with men, it's a lot of responsibility. And I am like loving being in this kind of mentor space for um, guys that are generally kind of younger with me. It's not mentor, but it is. I don't know I how to explain you. it. No, but it's, I get it's it. like men that are curious about exploring power dynamics and um, being more submissive. It's like really giving me hope for men in the patriarchy because I'm connecting with all of these men that are sweet and in touch and like soft and, um, and I don't want to say everybody that's submissive is a certain way, but like no. the men that I've been playing with have been this certain type of person that just gives me a lot of hope for the way that men are connecting with their emotions and healing these kind of, um, patriarchal things of, you know, having difficulty connecting with emotions and communicating and, and these kind of past things that I think a lot of men are up against. I don't know if that was a cohesive thought. So <laughs> I sort of love that segue because <laughs> I, and this is again, I, I'm going to, I'm going to switch it back over to women then. Um, I, I would say with my play partners, it's, there's like so much psychology behind it. And so I'm going to go with like, Dominant submissive. Let's just oh, tell keep me it. about your play partners. Okay. Your um, <laughs> let's do it. We're all over the place. But. I am excited. Um, if that's okay with you, I bounce around, but no, I'll just, like, yeah, same. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get back to it. I would love to know about your current. It's just the world. Like when you, you know, when you talk about, I'm exploring the idea of being a switch, right? Mm -hmm. um, I look at like family of origin and mm. siblings and. Just to give you an example. So if I have a partner and he's like, I want you to dominate me. I want you to tie me up and use the ropes and use the whips and all the good things. Um, exploration with like different kinds of lube and anal play and toys, that kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. My first thought initially was you can go fuck yourself. I am the oldest of four. I'm a leader and a therapist in private practice. I am a mother of four. You're fucking tired. You want to uh, be tied up. No. I, <laughs> hell yeah. I want to fucking dominate you. I want to be taken care of and nurtured. And I want to just relinquish and release. And I mm -hmm. don't want to make not one more decision today. <laughs> so playtime for me in that moment and that suggestion was mm. just off-putting. Because I'm like, I need... 
to focus on not being a leader. Mm. And so in my <laughs> everyday personal and professional life, if my job is to lead and make choices and decisions and help and guide, yeah. take care of me, take care of me. Everybody wants something, right? And that's like me referring more to like a, a play partner or a spouse or mm -hmm. a kid, obviously. Then in the playtime arena, I want to relinquish those responsibilities. Not that I'm taking on another character. Mm -hmm. I just need to embrace a different role that will take care of me. Yeah. I mean, I'm really big on my favorite quote, my favorite book in the world is Sexual Outsiders. Okay. Come to the dark side, we have cookies. I, I love that because it's come play, come enjoy, come embrace. Nothing's weird or wrong with it. Yeah. But in the end... Some people are straight up into kink and playtime just because they want to be cuddled and coddled and nurtured later. Yeah. It's just so therapeutic in nature. But I mean, when you say I decided to switch and now I'm a mentor, <laughs> I love it and respect it. I too kind of went that direction with partners as well. Um, it's just fun to play. Like all of it for fun. me feels like play in that way. And I think it's Midori. She's a, mm -hmm. per, a, in the space. She had a quote about it being like BDSM is like grown up playtime. And it, it is for me because it's like, I don't have a lot of, I'm a very creative person, but like, I don't have outlets that use this part of my brain. I don't know what it is. Um, but I think it's like the ability to, to focus and to create pleasure and to, uh, do things I've never done before. Um, but it is, it is just supposed to be fun at the end. <laughs> what are your um, ideas or what, what's your own involvement when you come into negotiating what your play is going to look like? Yeah, I was talking about that earlier today. Um, I mean, honestly, after my last guest, I'm like, I need to work on my, my pre-scene negotiation scripts a bit. <laughs> Um, I actually like to do a lot of the conversation prior to, uh, like meeting or it is written. Like I like to, um, generally like over the last year, it's been, I'll start chatting with somebody on field. We'll have like a FaceTime date and I'll kind of vibe it out from there. Um, but if it is generally moving to like, we are going to play, um, there's a lot of, I feel like we'll usually like sext a bit first to kind of, I like to, I like to explore what somebody's turns on and kinks are when they're horny and then like over text. And then we kind of go from there in terms of like, okay, these are going to be on the table, off the table when we play. Um, I mean, for me, I just, I have a couple of like hard nose, like I don't want to be spit on or slapped, but like in general, I think I get to do a bit more work of pre-scene negotiation, I guess. Um, <laughs> if I'm playing with people that are less experienced, uh. because there's a responsibility there to, I think, show people the way of what is what makes a good partner, what good, makes a good play partner. So I think I get to do a bit more there. But for me, it's generally like in the moment we're playing and I'm like, this is how I come. This is what I like. And we just go okay. with it. Yeah, your playtime sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> like, I'm hearing, like, a mom, an educator. Oh, Jesus. A placator, which is great. We're going into session. If you're getting turned on. <laughs> no, no, because, I mean, I feel like everybody's style, like, there's no good, bad, right, or wrong. Yeah, but a lot I'm, of doing. I'm just, like, huge on, well, I like both, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I like what you do. Only I think more structure is a little bit better. So, okay, I think it's yeah. how opposite we can be. So in my own play world, right, in mm -hmm. therapy session world, I literally teach negotiation to everybody, right? Good. I hate compromise. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets what they want. And I feel like we're just taught to compromise and be like, okay, let's mm -hmm. settle. Um, negotiation, though, it's like, okay, objectively, like, what do you want and what do you need? Where do we align? Let's agree and consent to it. Go at it. Aftercare. Pretty simple, right? Until you yes. get into it. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, yeah, textbook style. Right. Beautiful and pretty. Right. But we have, as you mentioned earlier, attachments and feelings and ideas and sensations. Yes. It's much more robust. Um, so opposite of you, I, I need a friendship with people. 
Mm. I have, I am like, nope, do not even try to sex to me. Ain't nobody looking for any nudes. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm going to meet up with you. And if I could feel like we could be awesome friends, oh. then I am going to trust you in the arena with vulnerability. I mean, any kind of sure. session, dominant, submissive, switching it up, it, yeah. it requires vulnerability and trust. A lot of trust. And I need to know that I can have a cocktail or coffee with you. I need to know that you make me laugh here and now. I don't care if we're wearing clothes or not, but I need <laughs> to know that you can make me laugh because mm. I, I need to laugh in playtime. And if we bump heads or teeth or right. it's not perfect, right, then I need to know that you and I can get through it together. And it's going to be, quote, successful no matter <laughs> what because right. we're having fun with each other's company. Definitely. Yeah, I had somebody like think I was laughing at them once and I was like, no, no, no. Like this to me, this is lighthearted, you know, like it's um, there should be space okay, we need to for talk about your play partners. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go back to the mothering and the educating part. I find that even though I'm only like a year and a half into this, that I have far more experience than anybody that I'm connecting with. And so uh, when you say a year and a half. Yeah. I feel like this is how we're like built and born and it's innate so much and we just maybe don't have the tools to express. So what do you mean by a year and a half? <laughs> totally, yes, yes, yes. So um, I've always been very sexual and had a ton of partners, but it was um, kind of riddled with secrecy and shame and like behind closed doors or I was the friend, like the slutty friend and just kind of like, oh, I've got the stories. And then it was a year and a half ago that I basically went to my um, first play party and I started going to sex parties and events um, and just became ingrained in like the kink community. So I would say it was the shift from going from it being kind of... Um, yeah, something I felt shame about to an empowered thing. And like, oh, there's a lot of really wonderful people out there and going to events and going and like watching people play and just like having my mind blown by the whole world and community was what started happening. And concurrently, I started hooking up with people from field um, and dating through through that platform. Um, yeah. Like when I hear you say that, um, that's like such, that's like one of my biggest aspirations right for advocacy you know mm. being kinky in isolation is so hard and I think it creates like so much mental anguish and anxiety etc yeah and wrongness and it's just like wrongness. oh yeah it's wrong oh god let's shame you but then you know if you go to a munch or like a play party just intimate like a house setting mm -hmm. and everybody is under the same ideas same rules if you will like we're all here for the same reason. We have similar intentions and we're not skeezy and creepy. Like this isn't a rape scene, you know, unless you want it to be um, at like some gross pool bar. Like this is a legitimate space of acceptance and welcoming. Um, one of my favorite things is, you know, like to go to play parties, you know, like if you go to a, like just a, like a house play party, for example, um, they kind of like somebody to speak or just kind of guide and lead lead the party. Mm -hmm. That's something I love to do where mm -hmm. I'm like, let me give you like 15 minutes of inspiration, 10 minutes of Q&A. Okay, everybody, go play. I'm going to go have a cocktail. <laughs> nice to see you. Bye. The MC. You're the mm -hmm. play party MC. I want to be the cake party <laughs> MC. Hell yeah. Um, do you ever have issues navigating like that part of your life with be having a therapy practice? Like does somebody ever accidentally show up that's a client? Or, like, how do you create boundaries in that? So licensure world, right? I talk with my hands. I have no idea if that's okay. Yeah. Licensure world over here. Um, every license has its own rules, blah, blah, blah. Boundaries. Um, Austin's just fucking small. Seriously, though? <laughs> yeah. The world is small. Yes. I mean, I've been, like, everywhere I travel, I meet people, and then I run into them again, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> Because I like Cubans, right? So navigating the boundaries for me, I never play when I go to these things. Mm. Um, I share so much of myself with my clients in therapy because why the hell would they divulge all of their mm. stuff 
-hmm. And sex therapy is deep. It's not like, oh, something's wrong with me. Yeah. It's how can I make great better? How can I make good different? How can I evolve and grow? And so I often use my life and divulge pieces of myself to them based on my own experiences just to help build rapport. And it's sure. it's consistent. Yeah. So if I speak at like, for example, like uh, an intimate house party for kink play, mm -hmm. um, that's when I'm like, okay, y'all have fun, bye. Mm. And I, you know, hypocritically, I would say, sort of remain in that isolated space yeah. of like, this is who I know and this is who I'll play with and it's on my terms. But I'm also really big on don't tell other people's stories. Sure. Not everybody, you know, knows how to file or fall into that category. Yeah, definitely. Um, so are you, do you have a primary partner? I do. Can you tell me about your little, your little world? Define primary. <laughs> um, are you married? So, yes, I'm legally married. That's a weird, complicated um, story to tell. That's okay. You also don't have to talk about oh anything. Oh, my God. You're not I'll talk about all the things. <laughs> Um, so in the, in the, in the greater gist of things, um, it's not that it's complicated. I'd say that it's also a personal, like, motivator hmm. to be advocate, like, within polyamorous, open, non-monogamy communities. Yes. So I would say I've got a primary partner that I'm legally married to and we raise our kiddos together and it's fabulous. I'd say though, I've got partners where I've known them for over 10 years. Mm. Um, we talk always, we might visit each other twice a year and it's just the most phenomenal experience with yeah. or without sexual play. Yeah, I've got people that I've got like specific partners, right? And I kind of, I'm going to nickname them, right? So, sure. and I do this with my clients too. Yeah. So there's like, the sexy Egyptian guy, or maybe there's like, like the super hot, um, I don't know, athletic guy, or there's like the super gorgeous, my whole everything life partner, oh my goodness gracious, like ride or die. And then kind of other people in between, right? And so when I look at my primary partner, um, I asked you to define it because I can't. Mm. Every partner I have has a purpose and I, at the same, like, not servitude, but I mean, I serve them in the same way. Yeah. So some, you know, one partner is amazing at making me laugh and smile and motivate me. We literally listen to music and he knows how to make me, like music is my big thing, by the way. Like mm. I make playlists and I love DJs and I love concerts <laughs> and, our, our yeah, bond, I just though. Yeah, you're traveling for music. Oh, yeah. I love I'm your like Instagram. All, all over the place <laughs> doing that. I'm like, yay, going to New York. I think you're like the coolest mom I've met. I'm like, electric zoo, let's do it. Just saying. Thanks. Truly. I hope to be. <laughs> if like at least two out of four kids end up, you know, liking me, then I think I've done. <laughs> There's usually a couple job. years where it'll be challenging, but they'll all come around. Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see myself as having very equal partnerships with everyone mm. because the purpose that we provide to one another is so beautiful and brilliant and yeah. sentimental and special. So you consider yourself polyamorous? Oh, very much so. Okay. Um, <laughs> and some partners are, you know, very monogamous and traditional and... Like with you? Or right, you yeah. Mean? They'll oh. be like very monogamous and traditional, seeking exclusivity. Mm -hmm. um, some will not give a flying fuck about <laughs> it. And they're like, Savannah, oh my God, like, let me tell you about the horrific dates I just went on. Yeah. And the amazing sex I had, like sex I had with somebody last night. Oh, you're like, talking about like the, the boundaries of right. what you disclose and share. Right. And so I would say I, I absolutely adore though, probably... I'm just, I'm really excited about the people I have in my mm, life. That's beautiful. I think that I, as I began to like open up to, to polyamory, it feels so like my life just is beginning to feel so full in such a good way. 
and it wasn't feeling that way because prior, because there was this pressure to find the person that meets all of these needs, which is never going to happen. And go to the day. Nobody can be anybody's everybody. Yes. And even in polyamory, even having three amazing partners, it's that doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect or you know I think it's Dan Savage always says like you're still going to have to round up which I love uh because it's very true but like having you know right now I have like an older partner who's the more like dominant energy in my life and I go to him as a mentor and then I have somebody younger that I'm playing with where it's kind of the reversed roles and then I'm like just also dating kind of vanilla dating on like hinge and just like trying to connect with people and entrepreneurs and um my life just feels full in that way and I don't think that that would have ever happened if I had just stuck with monogamy. <laughs> this episode of Sex Talk Radio is brought to you by Afterglow. One in three women watch porn every week, but as many of us know, most content out there is not created for the female gaze. Afterglow creates content for everyone, so go ahead and check it out at xoafterglow.com. Go to xoafterglow.com and use code XOTHEA to try a week free. Be sure to check out my favorite video they have, Lip Service. <laughs> I, um, yeah, monogamy's difficult. I think this is kind of where my specialty as a professional and my intuitive mm. just personality sort of blend, but also conflict. Hmm. You know, I, I love that I can have, I like, uh, so this is, I'm, I'm kind of like spinning in my head, right? Because I'm listening to your perspective and how your life sort of evolves within each partner. Mm. Um, and I'm picking up on like how you also take, take the role of like educating some, you have mentors and others. Um, my partnerships are all friends. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I look at it that way. Um, and maybe it's like partial like demi slash sapiosexuality. Like who the hell knows? Mm. But I I fall in love with wit and banter mm. conversation. So I separate sure. sex into a lot of things. I think sex is everything, right? I mean, sexuality is like how do you express yourself and what did you wear today and whatnot. But I think <laughs> it's also, you know, about pleasure, play, and intimacy intimacy is probably my favorite, favorite part because it's what's sustainable long-term forever and ever where sure. if I can bond with you, like I want a connection with you and yeah. I want to dance and I want to sing and I want to play. Yeah. Um, maybe with another partner, they're just like really intense and kind of neurotic, but super smart. <laughs> um, they're we love, fun. We love but, those guys. Yep. I take them in like very small doses though. <laughs> um, some people are very giving. Some people are very much about taking. But I think in all of it, the connection is what separates each mm -hmm. dynamic. And ultimately, yeah. if you can't pleasure yourself and you're not happy by yourself, like, yeah. the others are just going to fill void, so. Totally. Um, and it's not to say I don't have, like, deep connections or relationships that I'm building with these people. I think for me, I've, I'm more recently trying to navigate having a somewhat anxious attachment style with also being kinky. Don't know if you like to talk about attachment styles. I love it. I literally just wrote a column, like, last night about how do right. I... The, Help me. The, the, the question was... free therapy session. Oh, my God. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. The question was, how do I get someone to like me? And I'm like... Aww. Move See, on to a different oh person. Oh my gosh. Look, I love and appreciate so, like, you are so, you should be the therapist. Something's like definitely wrong with me. <laughs> I, my first, my first thing was I was like, fuck them. Who cares? You don't need it. Nobody needs to like you. And then, like, literally, that's how I started my column last <laughs> night, writing it. Yeah. You went on. I went, oh, hell no. Like, I went with the, you are amazing. Yeah. What do you want in life? The energy that you put out there is the energy that you receive. I I love your warm tenderness, and I like how it's kind of a balance to mine. Like, uh-uh, no, go stand up for yourself. Well, it's going to well, be no, okay. And it's coming from the same place of all, like, like, ugh. You know what I mean? Like, like I get rejected all the time, and it sucks. I've been sucks rejected my whole life. <laughs> 
Oh man, I mean both both genders get there's there's always rejection at play. Someone's always doing the rejecting. Um, okay, but back to anxious attachment style because I do want to get your free therapy on this. <laughs> I um, I have definitely have an anxious attachment style if somebody is avoidant. If somebody is just secure and clear and showing up in a way, I can come secure to that. But I also have ADHD, and there's also something called rejections, like sensitivity dysphoria. There's something else that I can relate to. And I find it unique navigating being like kind of super sexual, slutty, whatever I am, because I think I release different chemicals with sex than a guy does. And maybe you can speak to this better than I could, but like a guy can have sex and come and be kind of like, okay, see you later. And then I'm like, well, now I know what my aftercare needs are, which is I want communication that night and the next day, even if we're never going to see each other again, because I just need that, that, that and you don't want to um, be the cum dumpster you want to <laughs> be treated be like a human like a human and um so I don't know where I was going with all of this but yeah like like I find that women struggle a bit more even if they are having really casual sex or one night stand with somebody of feeling these feelings towards the person even if they don't want to because of the exchange and how I mean our bodies are primed to be making babies like we want this guy to stick around and the guy's primed to like make a bunch of babies um, so I struggle to navigate this almost like biological response I have with sex that I can't control as well as having an anxious attachment style. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I would, and this is kind of something that's easy to pick up on. I don't know that anxious attachment is who you are. You seem so secure, hmm. but so secure. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to follow through with this. I feel like you seem like a really secure human. Yes. But that, unfortunately, does attract anxious people and avoidant-styled people where they will cling on to you quickly, love you to death, and then push you away really quickly because you're anxious. too much and you're like, uh, excuse me, wait, what? Why am I second-guessing myself? Yeah, yeah. Or I can see you very much attracting somebody who is insecure and they see your boldness and your strength and your beauty and confidence cling on to that oh you're welcome girl you got this (laughs) but then they cling on to that and then they're like uh okay never mind i absorbed all your goodness and now i'm gonna bail Mm. and go be awesome and then that leaves us feeling depleted Mm -hmm. so yeah i want to validate that you know who you are you are your own expert but also like i can totally pick up and seeing like how different partners might pull that out of you avoidant I, I uh, have a sixth sense for emotionally unavailable and avoidant partners. But you're so very caring so, and loving and nurturing. Like, yeah. oh, my God. I'd be like, please take care of me, too. I want to be loved. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And so it's like a great, it's like a strength to a fault, right? Yeah. And so it's all about, you know, kind of what space are you working within? I love how you said, I need to really focus on my needs and wants and aftercare. Mm-hmm. And voicing so, them. It yes. took me so long to get comfortable in voicing them. And now I know this motherfucker does not text me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like feel- when you were talking about, you know, biological, right? Yeah. So an example I often use is, okay, um, when there is a miscommunication in sexual wants and needs between two humans, and we'll just go with male, female for the sake of argument for right now. Um, caveman style, we haven't really evolved. So it's like- right. I'm a man and there's a dinosaur chasing me and I'm going to go fuck everything I can to like spread my seed and keep myself going. (laughs) A woman is like, are you fucking kidding me? There's a dinosaur coming. Get the hell away from me. I'm going to go save myself and live. I'm not going to sit around here to like carry your baby and be eaten and do this alone. Right. (laughs) Hunter gatherer all the way. Yeah. Oh, we're still there. And so caveman style, right? I, I think a lot of people misunderstand their levels of, I hate the word libido. I use mm. the word sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and with sexual yeah, there's a energy. there's variance there. There is a saying like, I have low libido or I high. I have low libido or high. I'm going, okay, physical, mental, emotional, sure. spiritual, not necessarily Jesus and golden cow, but like the energy yeah. you have. Or for women, I'm like, well, are you coming? Right. But, yeah. Or squirting, which is Let's good. It's a good topic. We should, okay. we should bring that in there. Um, <laughs> but it's like the whole idea around you know, it's not about necessarily like who's going to be the leader and who's going to take charge and who's better at having sex or wanting sex and who initiates, right? It's yeah. about understanding 
what you want and need as an individual for your own orgasms and your own connection and your own emotional healing. Again, I'm going to refer to sexual outsiders because I'm obsessed with it. I love the idea that kink and BDSM are in fact incredibly therapeutic and healing in a play scene. Yes. Understanding that vulnerability, working through your biggest fears, but knowing Mm -hmm. full on what are we going to do to come out of this? What's our safe word? And it's not, you know, so many people are like, oh my God, that's weird. Or why are you just weird sexually? I'm like, why are you so close-minded sexually? I mean, seriously. It's. I will say it's easy to judge and hard to understand when you haven't like firsthand experienced that healing. I wouldn't say I was like outwardly judgmental towards like kinky people or people in the BDSM scene. I just, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why somebody would like being flogged or tied up or whatever it might be until I experienced it. And one of the things that I'm really curious about and like love talking to guests about is like why we like the things we like. And I do ask that we can make some generalizations because I think that there are some generalizations we can make with like dominant or submissive or just like you were saying, like you're making decisions all day. You'd like somebody else to make them for once. Um, But that whole world is very curious to me. And for me, I have some pretty severe childhood trauma around getting in trouble. Like literally the police called in trouble um, to to scare me into being a good girl. And it was really intense and it really fucked me up. And I've never shared that um, on the podcast. And I now see correlations between why I like being um, told I'm a good girl and why I, I like, you know, the praise kink as we're doing really bad taboo things, being told that I'm good, um, as well as like why I do chase uh, novelty and excitement and taboo things because I'm like healing this inner child that was just told I was bad. Um, and so being bad in a way that is safe, um, it's is healing and it's deep. And I think that one of my, my first, the first person that got me into the space was a dominatrix and she's very into, um, BDSM and Shibari for healing. And when I first heard that, I did, I just didn't get it. And now I really get it because we are undoing and coming up against, um, yeah, like traumas and deep wounds and healing them through like play and arousal. And it's crazy. (laughs) I am so grateful that, well, one, for sharing that with me. Yeah. Um, But I feel like that's the greatest piece to what people don't acknowledge is nobody understands the healing and therapeutic aspects around kink and BDSM. People might go with why and what's wrong with me. Mm, And my first answer is, nothing's wrong with you. Can we talk about what motivates you? What Mm. works for you? Um, Through my own self-reflection, I love how you talked about like inner child. I, so I didn't grow up with parents really. Like Mm. nobody raised me. Um, And I I had, you know, people somewhat present in my life, but it was not the most sustainable or supportive. And you were raising your siblings. Right. And so ultimately- you know, as an adult looking in inner child needs and wants, right? It's um, very prevalent for me to say. I grew up my whole life. I was always loud. I was always singing and talking as a kid. I was really smart. I was really like a lot taller than everybody. Um, And, you know, as a kid, they were like, Savannah, shut up. Oh my God, stop talking, shut up. And as an adolescent, you know, I evolved. I mean, I've been public speaking since I was nine. And I found a space where I wasn't told to shut up. Good. But then I went into theater. And in theater, you know, I succeeded. I was like best actress in eighth grade. Totally see that. But then, you know, like best actress like all through high school. But then Mm -hmm. the issue was like my family of origin did not accept me. Mm -hmm. And so... That's where that whole sexual... Did not accept that loudness? They didn't accept me. I'm just just like... Mm. out there. Did they accept your other siblings? Or? Yeah, Mm. absolutely. It was like target. Um, And so I was always kind of the different one. And 
you know, what really became painful, and this is where, again, like the kink and polyamory come in as myself yeah. as a human, right? It's so hard, even as an adult, you know, to have the best relationship with a partner. And in playtime, it's so in sync and there's so much love to be shared and affection. I mean, love is infinite. It's not like you run out of it. But then <laughs> I'm told, well, you know, you're not invited to go out with our friends or um, you and I are okay, but only on the one-on-one -on -one space. Mm. And so when I talk about my connection to people being friendships first, yeah, everyone loves the friendship. Everyone loves the playtime, but nobody loves like the Savannah that is outgoing, like the thing they fall in love with outgoing and I'm loud and I outspoken and I just love, <laughs> accept and adore all the people. They, it's like they fall in love with it. And then in one reason or another, they also want to hide it. So mm. there's so much, you know, so much healing no in the kink play and yeah. so much healing in switch for me, like dominant versus submissive, right? Because in some ways I'm like, let me express my mm. my leadership and prove to you like you can be proud of me and I'm amazing. The other sense of submissive <laughs> is you love me, accept me, nurture, coddle me when I never was. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, that's beautiful. And yeah, I just resonate with the that desire to be all sides of you to be shown by a partner or shown off by a partner. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful. And so, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just, I love understanding where those things stem from, the things that we like in the bedroom. And I just think, you know, if I could honestly give, reiterate any piece of anything to people listening or watching, it's like, the default about a specific kink shouldn't be shame what's wrong with me because that is just the go-to. Um, it should be like the curiosity you mentioned, getting curious, understanding. Maybe it's tied to something. Maybe it's just fucking not, you know? It doesn't always have to correlate. I'm very much like a, an analytical person, so I want to like put all the pieces together. But it's also okay to just understand that like this thing makes me feel good. This thing makes me feel safe. This I resonate more with that. Um, yeah. You know, as a therapist, right, you're supposed to be super analytical and in touch. I'm like, no, let's compartmentalize. That is way too much shit to handle. Um, what feels good? What I know, happen? right? Yeah. I'm like, if it don't feel good, don't do it, right? And I, I find so much joy, though, when, you know, a lot of people are like, I have this fetish, right? And so I talk a lot about exhibitionism, voyeurism. Mm -hmm. I talk about fetishes around, you know, feminine clothing, identity. Um, gosh, I'd say my favorite humans in the world are like, please tell me I'm normal that. So Vore is a mm. big one that for one reason or another, a lot of play partners are very scared to share, like the art of like being consumed or giant test fetish where, you know, they, they want to be small and little mm. and have a woman like come and stomp all over them and crush them. And I'm over here like, oh my God, go on Amazon and buy these cardboard <laughs> blocks that are in multiple colors. Yes, they are preschool <laughs> toys, but like build your own city with tiny cars, crawl into it and let that happen. I never emphasize learning the why. I mm. emphasize accepting the motivator, the how, the fun, the pleasure. I'm like, who gives a shit why? Yeah. I don't care why. I mean, well, I'll go into it, family of origin, but like, yeah. who cares? Like, are you having fun doing it? So, so family of origin, meaning a lot of those things tie back to childhood right. traumas and family dynamics. Right. And I don't need, I mean, so trauma looks like a lot of things. It can be traumatic to like get up and have your chalk break when you were trying to practice cursive in second grade. It can be traumatic to have somebody say, mm -hmm, this happened to me. No, not, a, not at all. You have right. DSLs in the seventh grade. I'm like, what is that? Oh, that is. Uh, they're dick sucking lips. Oh. So, yeah. I didn't know what that meant, but I tell you what, I didn't oh. wear lipstick or lip liner, like, mm, I don't know, ever again. Mm. And so it's like those <laughs> kinds of things, right? Like, trauma doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, like Freudian yes. trauma. Yes. Trauma can be something that we just a had a really things. hard time accepting or yeah. experiencing or processing. Yeah. 
I need to stop being obsessed with why I th- like the things I like, I guess. <laughs> well, oh. I just find it so fascinating. I love when the when the light bulbs go off. Right. When I go, oh, I had a lot of getting in trouble that happened. So I like now getting in trouble in a safe um space that has boundaries and rules. I'm like, oh, nobody <laughs> wanted to give me attention. So put me up in ropes and let's post a picture on Instagram. <laughs> I want to look like a trapeze artist. Or yeah. oh, let's do more photography. Sure. It's it's all like these personal reasons about healing and growth, but at the same yeah. time, who are you defending them to and who are you validating them to? Mm. Your own affirmation needs to be, I right. enjoy this. Totally, totally. Yeah, I try to practice a lot of self-awareness and now I'm getting curious. I'm like, maybe it's because I still want to like justify being in this space, being in BDSM. Oh, well, I like it because I understand the correlation or something. Yeah, I'll unpack that in therapy next week. <laughs> um, but I love how you invite your clients into like into into play and let's get on Amazon like like do it I mean that's that's like what I want part of my message to be is like just just do it maybe you haven't found the perfect play partner yet but like explore I, yourself I need and, to correct really quickly yeah because sometimes people misunderstand so just real quick yeah so a sex therapist is a mental health professional I'm going like su- like super PSA real quick sure uh, a sex therapist is a mental health professional licensed to help in a therapeutic setting. And then we specialize and talk about these things. So anyway, when you said invite them into a play space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not a literal one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not with uh, them. I just have to clarify yeah, that. Yeah, 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 of course. On Amazon, I get some pretty random messages from people. I'm like, ah. Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. I just but you support them in executing dude, I have their fantasies. Oh, my gosh, yes. If I can provide them with, like, tools and... Yeah supplements and like I'm big on that like I will tell anybody I once had a guy he was gonna have some major surgery and he's super sexual and so into his masculinity and just fucking amazing as a partner and so he and his wife were like what can we do then I said I'm gonna go research different contraptions so I went to a website that has like the best of the best toys uh-huh um, so that in the healing process, I mean, if we take away sex from him, like that is his identity mm. and his masculinity and who he is. Mm. And so I found them a thing that essentially would be like a neck pillow and the restraints so that she could ride him on top. Mm. And he and she, you know, could be sexually fun and play and whatever, but he's not going to get his heart rate up too high in the moment of like, oh, wow. I mean, I'm not a doctor and like, cardiatric whatever but yeah I was trying to create I was like, like a- there are solutions to all the challenges mm-hmm. and like if I don't know it right now I'm like hold that thought let me text it to myself and You're I will committed. get back to you later yeah yeah I love that I mean I just I think everybody deserves to have pleasure and fun and there really are you spoke to the isolation which I think is very common for people that have desires and fantasies like this and it's like there are people out there that want to explore that with you, like truly. Um, you got to remember too, though, kink, BDSM, play is so subjective. Totally. So earlier, you know, you used the word like, you said, maybe I've got like a switch here, I'm dominant here, I'll be submissive here, this is my mentor. <laughs> then I've got vanilla hinge. So, you know, working with people, mm-hmm. I I never assume. I walk into every scenario like, dumb as a sack of rocks going mm. what does this mean to you mm-hmm. I mean I've had polycules say you know we're really vanilla we want to make this better and I'm like everyone okay. has a different definition of every single oh, one oh yeah things. so I'm going yeah. what does yeah. vanilla mean They're yeah like, well I mean the gang bang every Saturday no. <laughs> yes yes every yeah. Saturday like I go ahead and peg him and then <laughs> you know we do the nipple clamps now yeah, that's their version of vanilla. Right. And right. so I I'm don't want to generalize. I try right. hard. Not I'm like, to. vanilla for you is it's getting boring. Okay. Or well. what I meant with that is like, I don't know. This is new territory for me to like have the podcast and have the podcast take off. And like, do I bring it up? Do I get judgment? Do some guys unmatch? Yeah. Like, do like I like dating on kink forward apps because it's just, I just get to be really like, it feels very full. Feel I get to lot. be. Mm-hmm. Do you use anything else like FetLife or? Um, I just created a FetLife recently, but, and, and I get a lot of creep, I've gotten a lot of message, creepy messages on there, but like, I don't know of too many other resources. I know like the Pure app and Field app, but. Um, 
I just feel like people are always looking for resources and yeah. things like, po- but things like podcasts <laughs> allow you to navigate resources, right? Like, okay, one, I'm normal. Two, I'm not the only one out there. Three, yes. where do I go next yeah. to explore? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I hope to, to work on that. I have some kind of like tech ideas that are in the ideation phase. Like I'd love to create something that's missing. I feel like there are certain communities and platforms missing. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. So you want to make an app together? Sure. So you want to be best friends and build bunk beds in the garage? <laughs> I want to, I have a type <laughs> form actually that I'm working on for people in the adult space and the adult content creation space. That's like a zillion questions because I want to find the biggest problem and like solve it. Um, yeah, doing a lot of fixing and solving. I Sexual to compatibility. Me. I'm going to give you that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a theme. Like, how do I match up with somebody who sure. wants as much sex as I do or wants to play in the direction I want to play? You could drag a little slidey thing for... <laughs> yeah. Lib- oh, my gosh. Libidos lo- and kinks Oh, and my gosh. No, I love that you said that. Scale. Everything is on a spectrum. Yes. I say everything and every person's on a spectrum. And I always, like, yeah. kind of, like, do this margin of here's an extreme and here's this, but then everybody falls on a spectrum of some type or Mm -hmm. another. Well, and it's healing to explore the gray area. I would say I'm a bit of an extremist and like, I didn't, um, drink for three and a half years. Like I, like I, I like to go all in on something and go too far and then find the middle, the middle area and the gray area. And like, for me, um, I very so much loyal. wanted to like identify as like straight or wait, what am I if I, I'm like kind of attracted to women's boobs, but I don't want to have sex with her. And like, just I feel like what's cool about the kink space is that there is just a lot of space holding for the gray area. And um, I live my world in gray. <laughs> I teach do. me. Teach and I'm like, and ways. I love boobs. I love boobs. No, I've I know. Had, I've had clients. I really like, don't want to have sex with women, but I really like just. I think boobs are fun <laughs> and I think they're fantastic. And oh my God, this is like me since I was five years old. I was like, mom, I want a bra and I want boobs. Like God help me. Maybe I should have been breastfed. I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's not about a label. It's like, that's fun. And I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, yes. um, yes. what I, would I ever want to personally look a clit? No, it's not for me. I wish I could every day. I'm like, please Same. God, let me be a lesbian because I know, I know, I know that I would be so happy. <laughs> but like, it's not happening for me. Same. And I tried to pray the straight away. I'm like, please, thank you, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am, like, one of the most fun people to take in a group of guys at the strip club because I'm like, fine, oh, boobies. I totally love to go to the strip club. It's so fun. We, we take field trips there, yes. Field trips are fun. Oh, my gosh, we, we should We take do- field trips to the strip <gasps> club, and we just, like, admire women taking money Can from men because it's like, really fun. Can we, like, do a field trip <laughs> for your podcast where we get to, yeah. like, basically, we're going to do, like, Two birds, one stone. Sure. We're going to make them feel good and make money, and we'll yes. make them feel good. And then yes. maybe, like, we just feel good because we did good for <laughs> all these people. I like watching. Like, I, I'm obviously very uh, curious and observant. And I just like watching at the strip club because it's fascinating to me to watch what is, like, the oldest profession of the exchange and dynamic of, like, giving money to women for being pretty. I, it's so fun to watch. And then also... I actually admire the uh, restraint I see practiced of like men not being overly cre- like they're they're doing they're being good boys they're not being too they're not going too far. Um, well, <laughs> what the last couple of times I've gone? Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I I know I know bad things can happen. It's more of just like no, I'm thinking the last few times I've been, I've seen a lot of respect practiced for women. Okay. And um, have you been to the cabana rooms though? No. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. So I'm a big fan of sex work. No, I'm a big <laughs> fan of. No, no, it's all I good. I love where you're going with that, and yeah. um, I'm all about sex work. I have a big coffee yeah. mug in my office. Sex work is real work. It is. And I mean, I consider myself in the world of sex work, obviously. Yeah. And so I love working with all kinds of like dancers, transactional relationships, that totally. kind of a thing, mm-hmm. because it's all about like. Again, acceptance and nourishment of them, but totally. Holy totally. cow! Holy cow! Like the mm, the stories. I'm oh. like, you know what, girl? Like this is what you need to be better at. And this is what like hustle for your money, but also work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Um, maybe in public they'll have their hands behind their back, but the cabana mm-hmm. room, it's like, uh, uh-uh. no. You tell them their boundaries. Like I love educating women on. Yeah. How, tell them how their boundaries those? and. Like, educate 
Tell them what you're okay with. Tell them what they're paying for. Be upfront. Don't have fear. Yeah. Because I think, you know, ultimately, like no matter what profession you're in, I'm a big fan of transactional sex, right? There's a lot of boundaries in play right. and it excludes a lot of emotions and that can create mm-hmm. some very healthy exploration. Definitely. But also, again, like consensually, like how about your negotiation before they give you money? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't mean to sound too naive about that. Um, just more of like, I think it's fascinating how if a, a guy does leave and there's nothing, I mean, that happens beyond that of like, it's fascinating to me that a guy just would go sit there and watch with like a boner for hours and just be like, all right, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> yeah. What a tease. I know. What a tease. I think I recently posted some dumb quote on Instagram. I was like, watching porn is like watching the Food Network. You know, you leave I, hungry and starved yes, and fulfilled. I literally can't watch Chopped. I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm starving. <laughs> and I've got I'm like watching porn. peanuts and raisins and expired maybe lactose-free milk. Like... <laughs> What can I do with this? Because I'm certainly not going to make that gourmet meal. Oh, my gosh. What a tease. I know, right? (laughs) Man. Well, this has been fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Let me think. What I I like to end it with, like, a little bit of advice. And um, what advice would you give to somebody maybe currently experiencing shame about their, their kinks or desires uh, maybe they don't have the resources to to talk to somebody or to get a therapist. And, and um, yeah, what would you say to them? So first I would start with the whole reason I do guest appearances and thank you for having me is because I don't think professional advice or educated information should be to those who are privy to afford it or have insurance. Sure. So for me, like my ultimate career goal is some version of kind of what you're doing as a talk show. I just want to provide as much like holistic awareness for free Mm -hmm. because everyone deserves it. Yeah. You know, second I'd segue into there is no good, bad, right or wrong. Mm. There isn't. Nothing is wrong with anybody. And as I, you know, started off with you saying... It's not about why. It's not about what's wrong or not about what's normal and what society shames and blame. It's all about understanding acceptance and knowing that your motivator that brings you pleasure is okay Mm. as long as it's, you know, consensual and not abusive to anybody. But outside of that, you know, so many people just need to be validated because... I say that I specialize in marginalized sexuality, but I don't think it's marginalized. I think that people need to be told it's not scary and it's not fearful and you will be accepted. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think it's the majority of people, not the minority of people, that want to experience something outside of traditional sexuality. Yes, and when it's brought up, Everyone gets so curious. I mean, I'm sure you've encountered this. Like if you say the word sex therapist or say it's, it's people are so excited and curious and have questions and they want to, um, with me at least, they, just, they want to chat. They want, they want to feel spa- safe and, and to communicate about that stuff. And um, yeah, I would love to see you have a talk show because I think that like your energy is just very, it's very safe and inviting and even just the way you helped me reframe, like, the my desire to, like, dissect things when it's, like, let this be fun, let this be pleasurable, and, like, let, 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 let that be enough of a driver because um, that's important. The play and the pleasure is fun, or it, it's important, and, um, yeah, you really create a safe space for that. Thank you so much. You create a safe space. You are the best human ever. I'm so grateful (laughs) that you're putting this out there for people. Yes, of course. Yes. And um, I think we have a strip club date to attend. I cannot wait. (laughs) I am up for the field trip. Cool. All right, right, girl. It was so good to meet you. You Thank you so much. Okay, bye. I never know how to end these. Thank you so much for tuning into Sex Talk Radio. I hope you found this conversation to be expansive and fun. Please come connect with me on Instagram at Sex Talk Radio Podcast. That is spelled S E G G S. 
and I would love to see you inside of the Sexy Society, which is an online community for kink and sex positive women. Thank you so much.